Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Small Town Podcast. Connor here. If you find this episode valuable, be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening. Also, I invite you to check us out on Patreon if you're interested in helping to support this podcast. You can find a link to that in the description of this episode. All right, enjoy the conversation. All right. Stacy, thank you for joining me. Yeah, you're welcome. So a couple months ago, you mentioned that you were helping start up this new thing with your church. Mm-hmm. And so I was really interested. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then um, I saw a poster that you were giving a lecture uh, about the same topic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I thought, well, I wonder if there was any way that I could find out about that because <laughs> I don't, you know, I wasn't going to be able to make it to the lecture. And then I thought, wait, I've got a podcast. So thought I would check and see if you'd be willing to join me. So I appreciate it. Thanks for being here. Yes, you're welcome. Do you want to give uh, an introduction to what we're talking about, this new ministry that's yes. starting up? Um, so I am the director of All Saints Immigration Services. It's okay. an All Saints Anglican Church here in Jackson. And... Um, We are opening up a legal aid clinic for immigrants in the community. Um, We will be providing um, not only just educational opportunities, like for different seminars for immigrants about um, naturalization, know your rights, banking 101, but um, we will also be serving as a, through a nonprofit, um, for low income cost for legal aid. So any type of, almost anything you can do with an immigration attorney, you'll be mm-hmm. able to do with us. Um, if you need to apply for visas, green cards, citizenship, just legal questions, we'll be able to do that and serve the community that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I guess... I guess one thing that I was surprised by was that there would be a clinic like that in Jackson Mm -hmm. because I don't, it's not intuitive to me that of all the places in the United States that a clinic like this would be open, that Jackson would be the place. Mm -hmm. I know that Memphis is a big uh, place for immigration. Mm -hmm. I know that, uh, and I know that there's a big need in Memphis mm-hmm. for that sort of thing. But I guess I was kind of surprised that something like that would be open in Jackson. Is that just because the two cities are in close proximity? or um, There is really no city in America that an immigration legal center could not benefit. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. You, you know, at one point you see immigrants living in big cities, and that is still the case. But... Um, Now they are in every city, Uh and the need for immigration law is huge. Yes. And right now, the any immigrants, I mean, even in in all of like West Tennessee, surrounding Jackson, like Bells and Humboldt, all these smaller places, have to drive to Nashville or Memphis for any type of legal service. Uh So, this is going to be the first. Nonprofit immigration for sure, sure, yeah, but there's yeah. very limited any type of legal immigration service in Jackson. Um, so the need is much bigger than you probably think that yeah, it is yeah. in Jackson. Um, and um, now they will not only get low cost because an immigration attorney is very, very expensive, they will be able to do it without driving two hours, uh-huh. basically. Okay. So, yes, and the reason why it was Jackson is just because I had the idea for it to be in Jackson, <laughs> and I wanted to do it, yeah. and um, our church is very supportive of it, yeah. and so yeah. that's actually kind of really what it came down to is I discovered this program that um, you can be accredited to practice immigration law without going to law school. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that's what I've done. Okay. I've been in that process for about a year and a half, um, taking immigration law courses, job shadowing immigration lawyers, um, 
taking tests and classes. And this is a program through the Department of Justice that certifies, um, you know, people, non-attorneys, to practice immigration law and represent clients um, in an immigration court in front of judges. Um, But it can only be done in a nonprofit. So this isn't something where I can go open a a law firm, right? <laughs> but I am still able to practice immigration law once this um, I am approved after the certification. Okay. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that this was your brainchild. That's fun. Yes. That's cool. Yes. Okay. So then, what's the what's the story behind that? So I've always been I've been in Jackson for man, about fifteen years, and. I have always been involved in the immigrant community, very much so pre-children and Mm -hmm. pre-marriage. And I stayed connected even even through these past, um, after college. And most recently, um, I worked at a local bank and assisted Hispanic clients Mm -hmm. and... um, Helped them with their basic banking needs, but also interpreted and helped with loans and things like that. Well, um, it doesn't take very long for Hispanics, specifically in my case, because I speak Spanish, um, would come for way more than their banking needs. Um, They would come for so many other questions, um, not only about just legal status questions, but about taxes I mean you name it any Mm. question that is something that you would think might be basic to you but is just a complicated system navigate in America they would come to the bank and ask me that Um, and I have been aware for a very long time immigration is not new the concept is not new to me the problems of immigration are not new Mm -hmm. Um, I was a Spanish major here at Union and then got my master's in intercultural studies. And both of those cases, I was writing my capstones about um, immigration, the border, refugees and asylum seekers before this was like in the news. Right. You know, even right. though it seems like a hot topic now, this is nothing new. This has been happening for. Right forever yeah um and so um just through a series of i've always wanted to be involved in some type of work with immigrants locally but i've always been aware that that didn't exist in jackson and have just really um kind of thought well we would have to move to another city Uh a bigger city to see that happen and i one day became really just had the idea well what is the anglican church i got all saints anglican church doing in regards to immigration are they doing anything like is this an issue they've thought about and so i googled it and what came up was um this program through the department of justice and the anglicans in north america this isn't this isn't just anglicans this is just evangelical in general right um were trying to bring these legal aid clinics. Um, it can be done through any nonprofit; doesn't have to be a church. Um, into churches and say one of the major needs we have across America in any city um, is legal aid for immigrants. Um, and so they were encouraging people, churches, to explore the idea of starting a legal aid clinic in their own church. And I could not believe that I was reading this because the more I read and realized that what I already knew as the number one need for many immigrants is legal aid service affordable Mm -hmm. and something they can trust was now something I could be able to do without going to law school basically and so um, I just explored the idea presented it in front of our leadership at church and slowly through a lot of conversations and the support of a ton of people and fundraising, we um, 
myself and another lady are both being accredited. We'll accredited mm-hmm. to do this. We'll be accredited representatives. And um, we're opening this clinic to be able to do that for people. So, um, yeah, I just That's awesome. found it and <laughs> just um, making okay. it happen. <laughs> so, okay, so that's, that's inspiring <laughs> because a lot of people have something that they're passionate about, but they don't really know how to get started. And they think that there's some huge hurdle that they have to jump over yeah. in order to get there. And you just looked up and saw that well, people were already trying to make this happen. And Yes. Um, it's always seemed like a hurdle, yeah. honestly, because I live in Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And I've never, t- to be totally honest, I'm not a starter upper <laughs> person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I love immigration, and I love... I know there's a huge need for this, and um, it just aligned so well. That's awesome. The timing, the opportunity, the people around me that were able to make this happen. I didn't have to convince um, the church that serving immigrants is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at a starting place and not just that but all those years of um studying at union and things that I never thought would come back full circle even my relationship with um I attended a Hispanic church for about seven years and a lot of those members are still in Jackson and those relationships I still have yeah um ironically have really come back into play in a lot of different ways and so um it's really just a lot of circumstances that god used in a crazy way that has really made this happen and allowed it to happen and it's so crazy when i think about and this has all been within the past what six months this a is year a year and a year. Okay. I mean, a year and a half ago, I had the, the just the idea. And so from an idea to it actually happening, I mean, that is actually pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, about a, about a year and a half from the first time I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm reading about this program, and it is so designed for me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is what um, I want to do. Um, so, yeah. So when I was reading about the program, at least what I could find on All Saints' website, it mm-hmm. looked like they're trying to get 30 of these clinics. Does that sound they right? They are. I think they're just nationwide saying, hey, could at least 30 churches yeah. consider opening this? Um, you will see, like, I, I know a lot of people have heard of, like, World Relief and Catholic Charities and these organizations that either work with refugees or immigration in general. Mm-hmm. They also have different accredited representatives on staff as well, along with immigration attorneys. Um but yeah, the Anglican Church of North America is uh, there's very few. I think we're like number five. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so we're it's very yeah. very few, and yeah. most of those have just been opened in the last you know two to three years. Yeah. Um, well, I wasn't sure because the document that I said said by 2018, so oh, I knew that it? the okay. document was a little old. Yeah. I wasn't sure how many more. Yeah. Yeah. So there's very few. Yeah. It's a it's a long. It can be. I mean, we've done it pretty quickly, but it can be a very long process, depending on where you're starting from and all the requirements. It's a lot of requirements. It's a huge, huge application that you have to send in to the Department of Justice. I mean... Not every town has a Stacey Preston, so... (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's why I was confused, because I thought, okay, if it's a top-down sort of thing, I thought maybe the ACNA had come to you guys oh, and had uh-uh. been like, let's set up one of these in Jackson. And so I was like, why like, Jackson? Yeah, so no. that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a bottom up uh-huh. sort of development. Okay. Uh-huh. That makes a lot more sense. Yes. Okay. So do you want to walk me and everybody else through like what will happen when someone actually comes to this clinic? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the very first thing that we will do is have a uh, client interviews Uh, This is like a client intake where we sit the client down and, okay, let's assume that, well, they may already know. They may have the process of um, legal immigration is just extremely complicated. Um, Depending already what their legal status is, we will take 
wherever they're at and help them with the next step. So, for example, if they have a green card, you have to have a green card for either three to five years before you apply for citizenship. So what we will do is we'll sit down, see if they have met all the requirements, because their next step would be citizenship. So we will see all the things that they've had, if they've met those requirements, fill out the paperwork for them, um, or review it, um, make sure they have all their evidence, everything, and we will mail that in for them and do that process. If they don't have any legal status at all, um, we will do a client intake. We will try to assess and see if there is any way they can get legal status. Is Mm -hmm. there a visa that they could apply for? Is there um, a way for them to move forward? Do they have a family member that can petition for them to stay in the U.S.? Those types of things. So um, that's what uh, clients will come in to be able to, that's kind of what it would look like when they come in to be able to see. And it it is... involves several meetings, long-term relationships. These applications take years, and um, we walk them through that whole process and do it for them. I'm assuming they don't have to be members of All Saints. Oh, they do not. This will be open to everybody. Yes, it's open to everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I would also, I would imagine that the biggest hurdle would be people just don't know what to do because these things don't, aren't clearly... Uh, laid out. I mean, I would imagine that there's a lot of confusion as to what kind of paperwork is needed and all of that. Yes, and um, it changes consistently. I mean, every it's almost every day there's a new law put in place that affects immigration. There's a new, um, I mean, it is consistently changing. It's very, um, and minor, um, mistakes can jeopardize Mm. your legal status forever yeah and so um you really need to have legal representation um it's also the uh within immigration law there is a lot of fraud um this Mm. is a a vulnerable population okay you can imagine um that there are people that say that they're attorneys and not and take people's money and promise a lot of things and in return don't um, come through with those. How big of a problem is that? Huge, huge, huge problem. It is um, such a big problem because people desperately want to stay in the States legally. And if they can find somebody that's going to promise that, if you put down a deposit or make payments every month of this... They're going to do that. Yeah. And um, they're taken advantage of. It's a huge problem within um, immigration law. But um, I mean, that makes sense. I've just never thought of it before. Yes. And um, you can actually go to the USCIS website. This is the United States Citizenship and Immigration Service website. And they actually have a list of people that legally can provide legal service. Um, and my advice is always, you need to make sure that who you're going to, to help you with paperwork is somebody on that list Mm -hmm. that, um, they know what they're doing and that you have good representation. Mm -hmm. And another aspect of this too, that I'm not mentioning with, it's more than paperwork. If you have a case where you have to be represented in court and you are an immigrant and you don't have legal representation, you're standing alone in front of a judge Mm. and your chances of winning that case are very, very slim. You may not even speak English. Um, so having legal representation significantly increases your chances of getting asylum or getting the visa that you're applying for because most likely they're not going to be able to prove their own case. And that's what you're responsible for doing is Mm -hmm. proving your own case in front of a a judge. And there are just not enough immigration um, advocates and representatives to represent all the people that need legal representation. Um, It's way, way low immigration um, attorneys and representatives for this. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, th- I feel like this. Uh, people hear these words and they they kind of nod along, but they don't always know what mm-hmm. exactly 
these the definitions are. Mm-hmm. What is asylum specifically? Okay, so um, when you're talking about asylum, we're also talking about a lot of people think about refugees and asylum seekers. Um, they're actually different, although they have to meet the same definition. So okay. a refugee or asylum seeker is someone that has a fear of returning to their country based on their um, political opinion, religious persecution, um, or um, there's a definition that they have to meet five standards of uh, not being able to return to their country based on a fear of persecution. Okay. And a refugee, you can only claim asylum if you're on U.S. soil. So... A refugee applies for refugee status outside of the U.S., either in a refugee camp or within their country. It's a process that goes through the United Nations. Wait, could you say that part one more time? So a refugee, uh-huh. they have to be outside of the U.S. to apply for refugee outside status. Outside of the U.S. Okay, all right. So I did not know that part. They have to, uh, it's very long progress. It's very, very uh, strict and takes years. Okay. Um, they are also working with the UN through mm-hmm. refuge through getting refugee status, and okay. they are relocated within the U.S. to these agencies like World Relief works with refugees. Okay. They are specifically relocated to a community within the U.S. Okay. So Memphis is one of those. Right. Um, an asylum seeker has to meet the exact same definition of a refugee, except they have to be on U.S. soil. You cannot claim asylum from Guatemala. You have to be standing on U.S. soil. Then you have to, um, you're responsible for proving your case that you meet that definition in front of a judge and you get a hearing. Um, You, if you are granted asylum, then you can move forward legally in the process to be able to get a visa and stay in the U.S., if you aren't, then you're returned back to your country. Um, so what you're hearing, or have, especially in the last two years, have heard, especially at the border, the Mexico border, um, I mean, there's immigrants from all countries coming, but there's a large influx of Central American mm-hmm. immigrants, and these people are requesting asylum. This is what they're requesting. They're saying, I have a fear of persecution based on these things of returning to my country, and I'm going to come here. What they are doing is legal. Um, they can't request asylum from Guatemala. Right. Um, they have to come here and come to the border and get there and say, I'm requesting asylum. So that's what it means to request asylum, basically. And am I right that America is part of an international agreement that that seeking asylum is is, I don't even know what the right words are. Um, I remember reading that America is not unique in this. It's not. It's not. You're right. Um, It's similar. I mean, if you, even with refugees, I mean, there's a, this is like the largest refugee crisis in the world ever right now. We have the most refugees. You, I mean, there is, this isn't just them coming to America. This is like all over Africa. Europe is experiencing this Ah, exact same influx of refugees. Um, now, their laws, the way they do that it could look different than what the U.S. does, mm-hmm. fi- especially in regards to asylum. But it's the exact same problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we take very, very, very little amount of refugees here in the U.S. Um, this year, the cap actually just went down to 18,000, which is the lowest in history that okay. it's ever been. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're seeing this across in the world. It's the refugee crisis is huge. Mm-hmm. So if being a refugee means you have to apply on the other side mm-hmm. of the American border, why would you not always just apply asylum? Why would that well, not be the default? Most of the time, a lot of times they're coming from Africa. They're coming from countries where war has happened. Okay. And all they've done so far is crossed a border, and now they're living in a refugee camp. Okay. They're not going to be able to come to the U.S. I mean, they have to get on a plane or on a boat. Like, it's just completely impractical. Um, so a lot of the refugees are coming from these war-torn countries where what happens, it actually, they live in a refugee camp, and the U.N. 
is at that refugee camp and that's how they apply like they're set up there to apply through that way um the reason why you're also not doing this through you know people are fleeing so when you're fleeing you're not sitting around in your home thinking i need to fill out this paperwork and wait a year two years three years five years you're fleeing because of a real reason so you're not waiting on a refugee status and your day day day-to-day life goes on no you're fleeing probably because you're going to be killed Mm -hmm. so it's that's not an option it's just not an option for most people to be able to apply that way and you're not guaranteed um where you're going to be relocated um if you already have family members like in the u.s then you would request to be relocated in the u.s but i mean it's just it just is a different process than the asylum process. Um, so yeah, we will not do refugees at our clinic because that's oh, all really? pro- okay. that's all processed through nine organizations worldwide. Only uh, no in the U.S. only okay. deal with refugees. Okay, um, and they work. This it's a totally different process. But we can do asylum seekers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there a cap for how many people can seek asylum at a time? Um, it is in. Yes. So there is yearly caps on immigration in general. Okay. Asylum seekers are included in this. Um, You cannot take more than 7% of annually from one country per year. And this is all of America combined. All of America. So, for example, you can only take 7% of... Mexicans applying for a visa as well as 7% of like Sweden's is this everybody um, applying together or is this 7% of all of the applicants 7% per country of applicants okay so how many ever apply that year they cap it regardless of how many are applying from another country that that doesn't matter okay okay so the problem yeah what happens when yeah. more Mexicans want to come, you know, versus Sweden's or where, wherever, that there's an, a lower population, um, which has created backlogs and wait lines very long because, because of this system. Because now the good thing about this is until, until 1965, this just began in 1965, this okay. annual cap. But before that, it was based on your national origin. That no longer exists anymore. Now we're saying it doesn't matter where you're from. You can come to America, but there is a cap, and it's 7%. So mm-hmm. there's a limit. And then what happens when that limit reaches, it creates a backlog. It creates waiting lines. And they're very, very, very long. Okay. Especially from the countries where a lot of people want to come from and have large populations. So, yeah. Where do green cards and visas play into this? Um, so the... To kind of give you a picture of how the paperwork comes, um, most people, well, you can, you either start with a visa or a green card. Uh, a lot of times a visa will become a green card and that will become citizenship. So and this you, is for the people seeking asylum? It, it will be asylum okay. or anyone. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, asylum will turn into a green card. You have to have a green card before you ever get citizenship. And you have to hold okay. that green card for five years. So you cannot apply you for citizenship. You have to hold it for five years. You have to. Unless, I did not know that. Yes. Unless okay. you are married to a U.S. citizen, it can be three years. Okay. So you wow. have to have a green card before you can ever apply for citizenship. So when you talk about long-term relationships. It's long-term relationships. Wow. Okay. It's long-term. I didn't realize. Um, and not just that. There's way longer waits than that. That's the fast track to U.S. Yeah. citizenship. Yeah. That's assuming all goes well. Yeah. It's five years. Um. So that's the process of what would happen is you have to have a green card, then you get citizenship through that way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And visa and green card, those aren't synonyms? They are not. Okay. Um, there's a lot of different visas. You can have work visas. You can have travel visas. You can have um, – there is a lot of categories of visas. Okay. And um, – you sometimes if you have that visa that allows you to le- legally stay in the u.s but temporarily a visa 
Um, so you're most likely wanting to search for a more permanent way to stay in the U.S., which would be a green card because okay. you um, you actually can hold a green card and renew it every 10 years. You could have a green card your entire life if you wanted, if you didn't want to become a citizen. Um, but a visa also has to be renewed, but sometimes um, like a, a travel visa would be very, very limited. A work visa... You know, you could lose your job or there's different things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So if I had the goal of eventually becoming a citizen in the U.S., a green card is what I would be looking for. Mm-hmm. If I mm-hmm. were just working in America for 12 months and then coming home again, mm-hmm. that would be a work, a, a work visa. visa. Yeah. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, see, again, people hear these words and... and don't think like I don't think to ask right, like right, what right. what exactly these things are. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is this is important to understand. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so I'm trying to backtrack back to your clinic specifically. Yeah. So people will come in and they will need help gathering their documents and figuring out what they need to show in mm-hmm. court. Mm-hmm. Um, and these will be people who are pursuing citizenship. Um. Most likely, that okay. would be, okay, most likely that's their end goal. Okay. Um, for some of them, they're not even probably looking that far yet. They just want okay. a legal status. They realize that citizenship is probably definitely the end goal. But um, for some, it's just figuring out a way to stay here legally. Okay. Mm-hmm is probably the very first step that most of them are thinking. Uh-huh. Or do I even have a legal path to stay here? Does that even exist for me? Hmm. Um, what would be a case where that would not be the path? Would it just be not having all the documents in order? Or No. Um, it is not easy to immigrate legally here. You can only... There are a few ways... We have, a, we have a system of family immigration in the U.S. So you can immigrate through immediate relatives. Okay. But that's about it. Okay. And it also depends on what country you're from because there's wait lines. So if you are just, let's say, from Mexico, you have no family members here, you can't support yourself, mm-hmm. and you want to come here for work, or maybe you're a low-skilled laborer, there's no path for you. There's Mm. no line for you to get in. There is no way for you to apply at all. There's no path. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Now, if you marry a U.S. citizen, then you can apply through your spouse as a U.S. citizen. Um, We're talking about immediate relatives being a spouse and a child or a brother and sister. That's it. That's the only way that you can apply for, for... Legal path in the U.S. Um, so there, you may not qualify to even get in a line to wait for anything. Hmm. Um, so there may not be an option for you. And honestly, a lot of what we will be doing is telling people that. And it's yeah. really, really, really difficult. But... Um, our immigration laws could change tomorrow, yes. and that may not be the case. And they ultimately need someone to be honest with them, to tell yeah. them what their options are or what their options are not, instead of maybe either taking their money or not. You know, there's still a way to leave them with hope <laughs> in those cases. But yeah. but not a false hope. Not a false yeah. hope. But... um yeah, so it's really complicated, um, and everybody doesn't have a path. It's not just go fill out your paperwork. There may not be paperwork for you to fill out. Wow. Um, what do you do in that case? Like, what do you what do you tell them? Well, they have the option of either going back to their country or living here undocumentedly. Uh huh. Um, we there's 11 million people that live here. In the U.S., undocumented. Uh-huh. It's one-fourth of the immigrant population. So most people are legal. Most people do have paperwork. But 11 million is a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. With lives that have probably mostly been here for over a decade. 
Um, it's it's more. There's a lot to consider. They have a lot of decisions to make at that point. Yeah. Um, because a l- lot of families in that case are what something that we call mixed status families. That means a parent may be undocumented, but a child may be a U.S. citizen. Because the child was born the in The child America. was born in America. So they're automatically... You're automatically a s- citizen if you're born in uh-huh. the U.S. Um, so it's a real problem. This is a real issue yeah. for so many families. Um, yeah, there are, in Tennessee, there are 8,000 children that are on a program called DACA, This is Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. This means that they were brought into the U.S. um, at a young age illegally and are protected under this program. Uh, They do not have a path towards citizenship or a long-term legal path, but they are able to get a work permit and have a social security number. Um, So there's 8,000 of those just in Tennessee. Does a work permit just kind of perpetuate? It just... It you automatically c- renews or how you does that have work? to reapply okay. you uh, right now. Now, this program, they don't accept any applications mm-hmm. um, for this anymore. It was created under Obama. That sounds right. But uh, yeah. And um, you can renew it right now. But the Trump administration doesn't allow you to apply anymore. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, that protects them, the work permit, from being valid if they continue to renew. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is so complicated. It's so complicated. <laughs> and this is such a gridlocked space politically. Yes. It's it's like there, there are a couple of these issues in America right now. It's like you were talking about, like, immigration is not new. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not new. The difference is that we're gridlocked now mm-hmm. in a way that it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on one hand, it's like the laws change every year. But on the other hand, it's like as as a country, we can't decide what we think about mm-hmm. this. It's like everybody has opinions and most of them are not based on facts. They're mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. emotional opinion. feelings that people yeah. have. Yeah. Um, and that makes it really, really complicated mm-hmm. to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing about talking to you about this is that this is actually in my local community, and this is not the news telling me what I should think about this. Right. Right. So this is one reason why I've wanted to have you on, mm-hmm. is that this actually matters for people living in mm-hmm. West Tennessee. Yes. And, and it matters for us more than what's happening in California or Texas, mm-hmm. or any of these other places. Mm-hmm. It it's more ha- practical. Yes, you know, so. yes. And, I mean, a lot of this, too, is the situation just didn't happen. Right. It didn't happen in the last four years. Right. This is based on a long-term history of our immigration laws that have built up to what we have today. Mm-hmm. And that is what... That's why we have what we have mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the things that need to be changed about that system because yeah. um, because there are people here with real lives that are really affected in our own community yeah. that our kids go to school with, that we work with, that live and contribute to our community and are important. It's really important for our community. And so this isn't just something that we can say doesn't affect us because it does. It does yeah. affect us. Yeah. Um, and it's valuable. I mean, they're just immigrants are valuable to oh, a community. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, these laws affect people yeah. in their real lives. Yeah. And well, I know it's a cliche thing to say, but I mean, we we are literally a nation of immigrants. Uh uh-huh. that's, that's it's cliche for a reason. Yeah. I mean, my yeah. my family came to America, escaping religious persecution. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. And people are still doing that. Yes. They're escaping religious persecution. That has not changed. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Religious persecution has not gone away. Exactly. Um, If you were, if you were in, we'll say power, if you, if you had the ability to change any of these laws that you wanted to, how would you change Mm. the system? I know that's a huge question, Um, but... I'm going to sort of answer this vaguely. 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think there, I think a couple, maybe three things is that um, providing a path for people who are already being here um, that are undocumented that want to, people that are undocumented, they don't, they're not wanting to stay undocumented. They're wanting to mm. get legal status. Mm-hmm. This isn't them not doing what they're supposed to do. This is them not having a way forward. There okay. is no path. There's no path for them forward. Okay. Giving them a path, this also enables families to be able to stay together and not be separated. Um, and also, we just mentioned this, but DACA, I just, the... They're one of my favorite groups. Like, I just love the DACA group. They, you know, some of these, they don't even, they only speak English. They may not even know their their native language from the country they were born in. And they have grown up in the American school system, and they're trying to go to college, and they have careers and families, and they don't know anything else but America. And not giving them a way forward hurts Mm -hmm. us and it hurts America. And I would love to see like a path for them. These are like brilliant people and that would be, I feel like such a huge success for immigration for that to be a way forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, so reopening that program. Well, giving no but giving them a chance to apply for a green card and citizenship because right now that that program doesn't allow for that the the only thing that program does is protect them from an undocumented status Uh uh-huh so the people that that daca was created to help just continuing to help them yes but giving them a permanent way to stay here like how can like is there a way where they can um, vote and I mean you can only vote yeah. if you're a U.S. citizen but yeah. Yeah. Um, giving them a path forward I mean right now in a lot of it varies state to state but they have to pay out of state tuition for mm-hmm. a state that they've lived in probably most of their whole life like get, make things accessible for them like they don't have it, uh, some of those rights under DACA but if they're on if they can get a green card, that changes for them. And uh-huh. they have a permanent way to stay here, which now they don't. Yeah. There's no permanent way for them to stay. Um, Is there talk about what? Well, first of all, I don't mean to cut you off. No, I that's think, I think there was something else. Well, my last one was just going to was gonna be um, just thinking through opportunities to uh, allow, like, more, maybe more low-skilled workers to come here legally to the U.S. Okay. Um that was my last thing. That's kind of a general answer because how those things happen, how those laws are made are actually a more complex question. Right, right. But um, that's my, that's yeah. kind of my answer to see yeah. how I, if I was suggesting something, that's yeah. what it would be. Yeah, yeah. Is, is there talk about, about creating maybe a new kind of permanent documentation sort of an in-between um, that's not quite citizenship, but it's more permanent? Mm. I, I mean, I don't know specifically, but that sounds really like a green card, what a green card could be. I don't know if that's what you're But a green card to. is, is it, well, I guess it, for practically it kind of is permanent because it's years and years, but it's not as permanent as citizenship, right? Right. And there's really not going to be anything in between that because... Yeah. Once it's permanent, that is citizenship. Yes. And you have you don't have all the rights as a citizen does as a green card card holder, but mm-hmm. you can travel. I mean, you don't get a U.S. passport. Sure. But you are, that is permanent in a sense, a green yeah. card. I mean, it lasts for 10 years and then you renew it. But um, a green card, and I mean, you're going to be able to work with a green card. So that's yeah. probably, that's really kind of what, that's the, the most permanent thing, I guess, besides citizenship, you know. I did not realize that we're talking minimum five years. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. had no idea. I thought it was more like 
you know, at most two or three years. Oh, no, no, I had, no. I had no idea. Yeah, I suspect yeah, yeah. most people probably don't have any yeah. idea. Yeah. And that's yeah. minimum. That's minimum. And that's, I mean, that's actually, that's been probably, that's been for a while. But I mean, once you have a green card, though, you've already passed the waiting line periods at that point. Because mm. you're already on a path towards citizenship. When you get your green card, you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some wait lines for countries like Mexico, India, and the Philippines. They are just now processing applications from like 1997. Okay. So that means your wait right now, if you applied from like, and you were Mexican, and you applied through a certain family member, there's different groups. Mm-hmm. Um, your wait's 22 years for your application to be looked at. So... A lot can happen in 22 years. Um, so when I'm talking long wait lines, I mean long yeah. wait lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, 22 years. It's very, Gosh. it's very long, and that varies depending on country that you're from and who is petitioning for you. Yeah. But um, yeah, there. It's like it's no joke. <laughs> well, I know legal stuff in general just takes a long time. It does. I mean, yeah. It's, when my family was uh, was adopting, I remember it was maddeningly long, uh-huh. and I mean that wasn't even anything close to what uh-huh. we're talking about here. So, golly, um, it's way more compelling to think about for us what's happening in Memphis or Jackson uh-huh. than, I mean, yes, we care about what's happening in these other cities, but I've been I've been convicted lately about making sure that I don't let the news dictate what, how I'm supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. Like it's supposed to be the other way around, Mm -hmm. right? And so for me to think about issues like immigration and um, policies that need to change and what I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to help my community and and be there for my neighbors and stuff like that, it's way more important to think about what's happening locally. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, which is Mm -hmm. why you're here, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially for Christians. Yeah, you don't need to be neutral on this right, issue. Right, right. <laughs> these are um, these are our neighbors. Right. These are people that we need to, yeah, think about and um, ask questions about this issue. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, ask someone. Who, right. <laughs> or research or find right. out more. Maybe not by the news, but right. real facts. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, in the case of um, an individual or a family for whom there really is no path forward in terms of getting mm-hmm. documented, mm-hmm. Um, they're just going to have to remain undocumented. What? What is? What does the ministry do at that point? I mean, are there referrals that can be made to other organizations or? Um, we can refer them, but they're going to run into the exact it's same gonna problem. It's going to be the same. Because yeah, the right. law is, well, the law. Yeah. So there's no way around that. But um, So, I mean, do you just tell them, stick around, maybe the law will change? Or, like, what What do you say? That's, ultimately, that's going to be their personal decision. That's yeah. going to have a lot of different factors on why they make that decision. Um, they have... Um, the immigrant community relies a lot on the immigrant community. Yeah. Um, yeah. They are such big helpers to each other. Um, and I've seen this happen in so many different scenarios. Um, I mean, I'm not going to advise them on what to do at that right. point. Right. But I will tell them from a legal standpoint what could happen if they do stay which is always a threat of deportation, mm-hmm. but also maybe rights that they still do have if they stay. Um, okay. Which like, are very like what? limited. What would that be? Um, they're, they're limited, but they are um, especially like not having to um, answer questions about their legal status. Um, mm-hmm. Their house cannot be searched based on, 
uh, without a warrant. Mm. Um, they're, they don't have to answer questions if they're being pulled over by uh, police. Um, they can still have legal representation. They are granted legal representation. There's things like that. Um, and just reaffirming, like, to not facilitate a fear, just a... Um, fear is so real in the their lives of many immigrants um, and just to help them be more just not fearful as much as possible um, it's just yeah and ho- and hopefully that there will be come a way or a path forward but um a lot of times in these cases, there's there's not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fear is a, a big thing, and I'm sure all of these situations are scary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So. Even if you do have legal status, it can, yeah. steer, you can still be very fearful. Yeah. For lots of different reasons, but yeah. My wife, um, when she was a student, she interned with, um, I don't remember the name of it, an organization in Memphis mm-hmm. that helped with this sort of thing. Oh. And um, she just talked about how every situation that every family was in was stressful. Yeah. There was no situation that wasn't stressful. Absolutely. And just having to just kind of be just a steady help with Uh just whatever was needed. Yeah. Um, There is no non-stressful situation when we're talking about this sort of thing. Yeah. So. I'm I'm learning as I'm getting into this that there's no situation that's not a crisis. Yeah. I mean, they are all, and it's real. They are real, Yeah. really in a crisis yeah. of yeah. major, major decisions, life-changing decisions for their entire family. And yeah, that's a whole nother podcast probably. But navigating that is really difficult and very emotional. Yeah. Um. Because they are real, and you see their real faces of real people. Um, so, yeah, that is. Is the clinic officially open at this point? So we are only opened. We are not le- We are not able to provide to take clients for legal to give legal advice yet. Right. That will be in 2020. Right. We're waiting on a final approval for the Department of Justice. But we are doing, um, we're doing a banking seminar in October. Oh, okay. We're doing a class on naturalization and citizenship in November. Um, so we're doing some community events. Yeah. But we're not able to serve clients yet. Yeah. We're just yeah. waiting on that last Well, hopefully that piece. that last thing will come in soon. Yeah. That's, yeah. I'm hoping. I would imagine that. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say is going to be. I try not to give the exact date because right. I don't know how long right. I'm going to be waiting. Right. Um, so I'm just saying, yeah, 2020. <laughs> Has there been a lot of good feedback with the community? Yeah. So I we kind of did a soft launch at the International Festival in September. Yeah, that was September. Um, and... That was the first time, really, I had let the immigrant community know that we are here. And I had a phone call every single day after that. Um, And multiple conversations at the International Festival as well. Um, Yeah, there's not going to be a lack of need. Yes. (laughs) Um, I'm having to refer a lot of people because we aren't open yet to Memphis. Um, Yeah. But yes, yes, yeah. I will say yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. I is there any way that you could maybe share some of the stories without names or something like yeah, that? Yeah, um, give people an idea of the kind of situations. Um. Yeah. Things that are happening in our own community. So, well, I could share a personal uh, story that actually happened last year. Okay. But um, from a family that, um. I've known for, man, about 12 years, and I just love them. Um, But the parents are undocumented. They have two U.S. citizen children and one on DACA. Um, So they're a mixed status family. Mm -hmm. Um, About a year and a half ago... um, the mom was driving and pulled over for a minor traffic violation. 
and her license was expired because Tennessee doesn't, at one time they were giving identification for undocumented mm-hmm. people, but now they don't do that anymore. So they took And that her, varies by state. That and varies city by state, and, yeah. yeah. So they took her to Jackson Madison County um, Jail. And she was there for three to four days. And because she was undocumented, local police have the option to notify ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Um, are to, they required to? They uh, they were not then. The law may be different now, okay. but they're highly encouraged. Okay. I don't mean to keep stopping you. Yeah, no, see, no, no, no. That's these fine. These are things I don't know. Because there's things, so. yeah. Um, there was a new law that came into place like in Jan- this past January okay. that really encourages local police to work with ICE. Okay. It's like a okay. whole okay. other. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, they were called and they did come pick her up. Okay. And they took her to a Louisiana detention center. And um, this is a mother of three who has worked in Jackson for over 12 years. And um, was up for being deported, basically, at this point. Um, She spent a month in the detention center in Louisiana. And to sort of make a long story short, she um, ended up getting an attorney out of Memphis who represented her in court. And was granted it's called a cancellation of removal which means reasons to not deport you basically okay um and is on a and was released um it's that is a very unlikely situation i mean yeah most people would be deported i mean there's just not much to prove for reasons why you should stay in her situation um must have been really good at his job Yes, and he used the law really yeah. well because there were ways around in her case that she um, was able to stay based on the length of time she had been here, the fact that she has two U.S. citizen children. Uh-huh. She had good moral character, a lot of different things that are required in that process. Okay. Um, then a year later, her husband um, was robbed at gunpoint at his job and um he's undocumented so in that situation what do you think that they're going to want to come to the police if they're undocumented when a crime happens no people don't they don't want to they're trying to avoid that well there's a visa that you can apply for it's called victims of crime visa okay where it can protect you to help work with the police to put criminal prosecution happen. And so now he is able to apply for that as well. Hmm. Um, but he didn't have that at the time. He, uh, no, uh. he's, he's getting that because of this experience. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, he's now able to apply for that because of the robbery. Um, but this, it's really, really an incredible story, not only of just God's hand in their life, but also that immigration law is very complicated and that this is happening in Jackson. Yeah. Um, that this isn't a family that we want to be split. Right. This is a family that we want to stay together that need um, a way to have legal status. And both of them had, both of them previously had no path forward. Mm-hmm. Nothing that they could apply for until their U.S. citizen children became 21, which is a long way away. Um, but uh, because of just our laws, these awful things happen to them that now allow them a path to citizenship. Um, and that's something that uh, we would have we would be able to help them in that case in Jackson in the, in this type of way, like to be able to find, OK, this happened to you. Oh, there's a visa that you can apply for for this mm-hmm. or, oh, you're in um, these hearings to be deported. Well, we're going to apply for a cancellation of removal based on these situations. Um, and obviously their case, their story is really incredible because it's just time after time. There's like so many details I'm leaving out of this story, but yeah, like God's yeah. hand is just so in favor of them and has 
graciously given them a path to be here and stay through that. But um, we get we would get questions all the time. I mean, you see a lot of a spouse who is has legal status or maybe a U.S. citizen, and the other spouse is not, mm-hmm. and they want to apply or. Um, Even I mean, yeah, yeah. Those are a couple of yeah examples. Yeah, yeah. But and, and they are examples of something that happens a lot. Like this a is a very lot. common thing. A yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. It's very. It is very common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any others off the top of your head? It's fine um, if not. I'm just curious. Just some. I mean, I have seen people want to request asylum, which we talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. because they don't want to return to their country based on some type of fear of a persecution. Um, I've seen domestic abuse cases. Oh, wow. Um, I've seen, man... Probably everything you can think of. <laughs> Hearing people's border crossing stories, um, which not, I will say that like, and most, most undocumented people, they're not just crossing the border. They, they have undocumented status because they've overstayed visas. Yeah. So when I say that, it, but there are some that do cross that way and they're very traumatic. Human trafficking that's a really big thing, human trafficking. There's visas that you can apply for that. Um, Wait, say that again? Like if you're human trafficked, like across the border. Oh, okay, okay. There are visas that you can apply for that that can... As a victim. As a victim yeah. of that. There's different... Um, domestic violence is, mm. is one of those as well. Uh, victims of crime. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of categories of different yeah. visas that yeah. can... Um, you can apply for it, but it also has to be on based on these certain type of circumstances that you can apply for them. Yeah. And evidence to prove those circumstances. And evidence, also. a lot of evidence, yeah. a whole lot of evidence to prove those. Yeah. Wow. So that's part of what we're doing too. When, when we come in and have a client intake <coughs> or interview, that's what we're doing is mm-hmm. we're hearing their story. I mean, literally from start from their very beginning of where they were born to exactly how they came to the U.S. and why they're sitting in front of me. Yeah. Um, every detail, because that detail, there might be a path for them based on that detail of their life story. And so it's us trying to figure out, like, is there a way forward for you? Because if there is, I want to be able to help you. And I yeah. want to be able to tell you the law to yeah. say, yeah. yes, based on this and your experience, there is a way forward. But there may not be. So, wow. Yeah. You are the person for the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been super informative and I think it will be for a lot of people. So, um, yeah. how do you want to end this? Is there a way that people can can learn more? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, find out how to help maybe? Yes. Um, so, I'll give you several options. Yeah. If you're a union student, you can take my class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Contemporary issues and immigration. Um, it, you teach this every semester? At, well, um, it, I don't know if it's going to be every semester or every year. Okay. I'm waiting to see, but yeah. uh, this is the first time it's offered this semester. This semester. is the very first time. Okay. So um, it gives major background to a lot of these issues and just a way more in-depth understanding of immigration. Yeah. And it's uh, just a great class to yeah, take. Yeah. Um, and also, if you uh, – we are going to be – having volunteers at um, the immigration clinic. Um, We're not set up yet to be able to do that at this point because we're not fully opened. But that's something you can go on um, All Saints uh, Anglican Church website. We have immigration services there. My email address is on there. Um, We also are, I mean, we have to fundraise to make this happen. Um, So giving to it. Um, and if you just want to me- want to know more, I mean, I'm always happy to talk further with people about these issues as well, or just questions or anything about immigration. Um, but and just, I think one of the first places that I would start, if you're like, well, I didn't even know there was immigrants in Jackson, then my advice would be like, just start looking, yeah. like open your eyes to see around you. 
and notice that there there are so many and um to be able just that's a good starting place yeah. is to um get to know one um personally and then form your opinion about immigration after you know an immigrant actually hear the story hear yeah. their stories and then form an opinion maybe about what you think about immigration and don't form your opinion until you have enough facts to know about what the situation mm-hmm. really is and the really the plight of an immigrant and how it is a difficult process to to be here but um yeah, and there's there's not just it's not just All Saints Immigration Services. There's a lot of great organizations across the US in every state. So find one that's local to you and um I guarantee that they would take volunteers or help or if you wanted to know more about becoming an accredited representative, there's lots of information on the Department of Justice website about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I had no idea this even existed before two years ago. I right. had no clue. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's some of my advice. Well, we can put some of those links in the description of this episode okay. to make it really easy. Yeah, um, that sounds good. Yeah, so we'll figure that out after this. So, yeah. Sounds good. Um, Stacy, thanks so much. Yeah. This has been great. You're welcome. Um, I love talking about this. Well, I, you, yeah, this is... <laughs> I can tell you're passionate about yes, it, and that's great. I yeah, I, I wish you all the success Thanks. with this ministry, and yeah, I hope it goes really well. And I'm looking forward to watching it grow. Yeah, so, thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is, yeah. Thanks. All right, signing out.